Hey, Crossroads fam, glad you're here with us. This is Kenny, and we're getting into our third message in our Committed series. Uh, a lot of the songs that we've chosen through the years to do Bible studies about is taking a good bit of work to twist it enough to where it could turn into a Bible study. But this song, it was really easy. One of my favorite songs over the years is a song called Every Breath by the Police or I'll Be Watching You by the Police. Either way, uh, one of my favorite songs, and in just reading the simple lyrics of the very first verse, you could see how God could be singing that to us. So thank you for being a part of this podcast. Hope that uh, God speaks to you through this, and as always, welcome to Crossroads. Every breath you take, every move you make, every bond you break, every step you at all is it right so that that song is by a group called the police it came out in the 80s and um it probably would go down in history as being one of the most creepy songs ever right i'll be watching you you know it gets really creepy and then like the thought of ladies if some guy comes up singing that to you that's that's creepy i'll be watching you (laughs) no um but the song itself uh, i always liked the police growing up listening to them and then i'm you know, my wife's brother's a policeman, so it works out good. So anyway, um, the, that group's, their music was always cool to me. But that song was something different. That was one of the songs that, that really set them apart in that mu- musical genre. And in listening to that song, even when I was a kid, I thought about the words a good bit. But when Committed came on the scene and they did this song, immediately my mind went to, what if God was in that song? And this is something that's been going on with me for years. Some of the music I hear, it doesn't stand a chance in putting God in the middle of it because I wouldn't disgrace God by some of the junk I've listened to over the years. Uh, But this song, it just, it was something different about it. So why don't we just read a little bit of what the song says, dramatically of course, right? It's the only way to do it. 
every breath you take, every move you make, every bond you break, every step you take, I'll be watching you. Every single day, and every word you say, every game you play, every night you stay, I'll be watching you. Oh, can't you see? You belong to me. How my poor heart aches with every step you take. Every move you make, every vow you break, every smile you fake, every claim you stake, I'll be watching you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. So when, when you read the words of that song, I don't know for you, but when this study's over, you're probably never going to be able to hear that song and think of it the way the song was originally written, hopefully. Because when I heard that song, when I heard Committed sing that song, I just really started chewing over the words. And I started thinking, what if we sang it from a God's perspective? The fact that God is always watching us. And that's something that we, we know. I believe we all know that. But a lot of times we don't really put a whole lot of thought into that. And so what I want us to do tonight is we're going to take a different approach to this song. And we're going to pretend that God is singing that song to us. There's something about knowing that someone's watching us. Now, at times it makes us uncomfortable. At times you're fine with it. But there's just something about knowing. Have you ever just felt like someone was looking at you? And you start looking around and say, who is staring at me? And then you find that one person, you're like, why are they looking at me? And then they wave and you go, and then they're waving at somebody back there. And you're like, <laughs> Waiter or whatever. Yeah, it happens. Um, but when someone is watching you, a lot of times it is a really good thing. Uh, if you are working on a vehicle... I don't know how many of you are mechanics in here, but I am not an accomplished mechanic. I can usually tell when it's out of gas because it'll either stop or that light tells me. Um, but if there's a seasoned mechanic that is with me, my father was really good at doing things with mechanics. And so when we were working on our hoopties trying to get them to run, he would instruct me on what to do. It was very beneficial to have someone with experience there to watch over what I was doing to make sure I was doing what I was supposed to do. Um, same thing with cooking. My mother used to watch me cook, and she finally just kicked me out of the kitchen. But if someone knows how to cook, that's going to be beneficial to you if they're sitting there watching you because they're going to give you instructions on what not to do to make sure that your food is prepared properly. And there's a lot of times that it's really a good thing. When you start driving, you want someone with experience to help you learn how to drive. The last thing you want to do if you are, say, 13 years old and you're going to learn how to drive is to get another one of your 13-year-old buddies and say, okay, tell me how to drive. You put it in D for drag and you punch it. You know, you need someone with experience there to teach you what to do. So there are good times that there are people watching you. There, there are times when it's really a good thing when folks are watching you, but there's also times when it's really not that comfortable, right? Have you ever been caught doing something you shouldn't do? Never. Yeah. <laughs> Never. Liar. <laughs> Liar. I'll be watching you. Yeah, so um, it happens. It happens. Your mom tells you to clean your room. And you're like, okay. And you go into your room and you move two articles that are laying in the floor just so you can step over to your computer or find your phone or uh, get on your gaming system. And the next thing you know, the door flies open and you're busted. And you're like, ah, someone was watching you. And they had expectations of what you were supposed to be doing. 
Uh, I would be lying if I said that didn't happen to me. And it was a traumatic experience in the Martin household. My mother walked by and she says, Kenny, you need to go clean your room. And I was like, <laughs> and so I walked back to my room to clean my room and I, I hit a lick at it. You know, it was just like, eh, it's pretty good. And I left and went back to the living room because on television, we had three channels and one of them was obviously very important to me at the time. So I sat down and started watching TV. And my mother walked through and she said, did you get your room clean? I said, yes, ma'am. And I heard her walk down the hall and I was like, this isn't good. <laughs> Because there's no doubt in my mind, she's going to look in that room and know I'd be lying. And sure enough, boy, she started. just She went off. And she comes in there and she grabbed me by my neck. She starts putting me in the hall. She puts me in the room. She says, you get in there, quit her. And she was telling me things that, that were encouraging me to clean my room about pinching my head off and knocking me into the middle of next week. And so there was obviously something bad going to happen. And I wanted to prove to her that she wasn't the boss of me because I was grown. I was probably... Nine. <laughs> Had the world figured out, right? And so as soon as she turned around and walked away and she was still just, she was still fussing, I slammed the door. No, 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 it gets even better. As I slammed the door, I turned around and go, I hate you. <laughs> to this day, that makes little ah run all over me. About that time, the door burst open. It wasn't no jiggly handle. Come on in. It was like a boom. And it was like a scene from a scary movie. My mother was standing in the door. Now, she was about this tall. She wasn't big as a minute. I mean, she run around in the shower to get wet. She was just a little lady. But she's standing in the door, and some, somehow she filled that door. And it wasn't one of those. It was... <sighs> And there was smoke everywhere. She smoked. So there was smoke everywhere. And I was scared. Now, nine years old, I was bigger than my mama, but she was mean. Country mean. Like, I will cut you. She was bad. And she's standing there, and you could just see steam, or maybe it was the smoke again, coming out of her ears and stuff. And I stood there frozen. I was horrified. And my mother composed herself, thankfully, and she just turned and walked out. And I was like, I'm alive. I'm alive. But the cleanest room has ever been was in that moment. I cleaned like a champ, boy. I was just maiden it up. Boy, I was cleaning everything. I was like washing the bottom of my bedpost. I was doing everything. And but here's one of the bigger reasons. One, I was scared of my mom. But two, I was horrified of my father. And I knew at some point my father was going to come in from work. And when he came from work, if I had made mama mad, it wasn't going to be good for anybody in that house. And so I started trying my best to make up for what I had done or what I had not done. And a lot of times I think we find ourselves that way. When we are caught in something, when we are busted for doing something we know we shouldn't have done or not doing something we should have done, we find ourselves trying to make up for it by doing whatever the task was even better or the next time making sure we did it right. But if we look at this song through the, the voice of God, it gives us a different perspective on what God is. Now, when, you, when you're speaking about God, there are words that, that are used. And um, say omni, one, two, three. Omni. You're fluent in Latin now. That's great. Didn't know y'all were that smart. Omni. Omni is a Latin word that means all. And so when you start looking at that word, there's omniscient. And that is a word that describes God. So it is all-knowing. So God knows everything. 
is omnipresent. He is always there. He's omnipotent, meaning he is all-powerful. So when you look at God, everything that he is is the absolute all of everything. It's the absolute greatest. He is the strongest. There is nothing more powerful than God. The storms that come are coming at his command. He is the one that, that creates it. When you, when you think of knowing things, some of y'all are brilliant. There are times that I get really embarrassed when we're talking because you'll come up and you go, Hey, Kenny, did you know? And I go, yeah. And then I go to my wife and go, what does that mean? It meant, hello, Kenny. Oh, okay. I struggle because y'all are so smart. And I'm not exaggerating. I mean, I really feel really just dumb around y'all most of the time. Sometimes I'm okay. But it's because I'm talking about things from the 80s. And y'all like, we don't even care about 80s stuff. But God is all-knowing. But then he's always present. And I don't know about you, but there's, there's something about that that just gives me a certain peace. Now, for some, some parts of it, again, it's one of these good and bad things. If you know that your parents support you and they're going to be there for you, that's a wonderful thing until you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. And we get upset or we, we get burdened or we get bothered because we've not broken a rule, but because we've been caught. But a lot of times when it comes to God, we don't even consider the fact that God is always there. He would be watching us with every breath you take and every move you make. He's watching you. And I want you to understand that the way he's looking at you is not waiting for you to mess up. He's waiting for you. He's looking to you to see the creation that he has made. And he's wanting to be such a part of your life that you realize that he is always with us. And again, that's a good thing, and it can be a bad thing. The good part of this is there are so many times in your life that you need guidance on what you're supposed to be doing, what you should say, how you should act, how you should react. There are so many times that you need guidance, and you're not always going to have a parent there or a youth pastor there. You're going to have to depend on God speaking to you. He's always there. He's always a call away. And so when we are in those moments of what should we do, and I'm not just talking about social things. I'm not just talking about physical things. I'm not just talking about emotional things. We're talking about spiritual things, the conversations that we have, the music that we listen to, the groups that we run around with. And we can, we can play it off to our parents that everything's fine, but a lot of times we know the friends that we're hanging out with is dragging us down a dirt road that we don't need to be on. A lot of times, the, the music that we listen to, I grew up, of course, in the 80s, and that's when rap first blew up. And there was some horrible rap music that came out. And you couldn't buy it at Walmart, because Walmart wasn't there. But you couldn't buy it anywhere. You couldn't go to, to Kmart or wherever you got me, the Galleria. You couldn't get it because it was explicit lyrics. But then there was always that one guy that had gone to Miami, and he would come back with it. And everybody would burn or copy. I don't know what you did. You put two cassettes in and said record and play. So you, you copied it. And before long, that stuff starts getting in your head. And I can remember justifying listening to that music by saying, well, it's just music. It's not that big of a deal. It's got a great beat. Y'all ever said something like that? I just like the way the music is. But before long, you start saying the words in your mind. And I'll be 100 with you. A lot of that stuff, it never registered until the boy came along. We were riding down the road one day, and he's, man, I, mm, you good? It's not going to be embarrassing. It might be. 
<laughs> Sorry. So anyway, we're riding down the road one day, and uh, we never listened to kid music. Like, oh, I love you. We didn't do Barney. We didn't. I don't know what kid music is. We didn't do any of that. So uh, he grew up listening to like Toto. When he was about this old, well, that old, I used to say, what's your favorite group? Toto. He didn't even know what a Toto was, but it's great music. And so we're riding down the road one day, and I was vlogging, and it was, it was just really terrible. But anyway, I said, Barry, did you know that Eddie Money used to be a police officer? I sure did. And he was about this old. He was just sitting in that little seat in the back where he looks like the captain, sitting all up tall. So he's like, I sure did. But we listened to that music all the time. Never thought anything about it. Take me home tonight. It's not like a visit. I just want to come witness to you. <laughs> no. Starts talking about different things. And then, probably eight months ago, don't tell Jessica, we're riding down the road. And I just put the thump in the bump, you know, boom. And so I'm driving the beast home, and there's this song just rumbling. I was like, man, that's so good. And Barry's like, whatever. He didn't care for it at all. But I was enjoying it. I was back in 1988. Come on. I just, ah, kicked over to the side. And the bass was thumping, and then I started rapping along with it. And about two measures before it got to the part, I was like, oh, gosh. And I changed the station, and Barry was like, what's up? And I said, no, no, and I just, I don't like that song. It's because of what it was saying. And we can justify it by saying, I like to be, but before long, that gets in our mind. And that, those are moments that we have to rely on God to tap us on the shoulder, punch us in the face, do whatever, to get our attention, to remind us that when he has called us to be part of his family, he's called us to greater things than just being mediocre. He doesn't want us to be average like the world. He doesn't want us to go along with what the world says just because the world says it. He's called us to be more. And a lot of times that means stepping away from the things that are comfortable for us. It is really comfortable for us to get into the wrong groups and hang out with the wrong conversations and maybe even encourage someone to do wrong. I know that there are times that there are people that will find themselves encouraging others to do horrible things because it makes the sin in their life look minuscule. That doesn't change the fact that there's sin in our lives. And there are times that we need something to remind us and that's what God's all about. When Jesus was, was going to heaven, as he met with the disciples for his final time, as he told them to go into all the world, he had told them even before his crucifixion that, that God was going to send a counselor for them. And that Holy Spirit comes to those that are followers of Christ to come and dwell with you. And that Holy Spirit is that reminder. It is that thing that gets in our conscience and reminds us. For years, we used to do the little analogy of Tom and Jerry. How many of y'all know Tom and Jerry? Good. Y'all still know cartoons. All right. Good. So Tom and Jerry, growing up, was one of my favorite cartoons. And there was always one of those where Tom was, of course, going to eat Jerry because that's how he rolled. And he's getting ready to eat Jerry. And a little angel pops up on his shoulder and goes, oh, Thomas, don't eat the little mouse. And then the little devil pops up and says, go on, eat him up. Probably didn't say it just like that. But it was the back and forth. It was the back and forth. And I've always thought, because you know how my mind is twisted, when God is getting my attention, that little conscious is what pops up in my mind of what I should and I shouldn't do. But the thing is, is we've got to have part of us that is willing to listen to that, but even more so willing to act on that. Because when those moments come, we can't sit there and just wonder what should we do. We need to be the place where all we need is just the thought of God. He's always with us. That's a beautiful thing. In the midst of our trouble, He can be there. I was in Knoxville, Tennessee doing a Disciple Now weekend. I'm driving down the interstate and I'm lost. 
and I had an atlas. That's a map. It's a book that had different, yeah. So I had an atlas, and I had a cell phone. It was a Zach Morris brick, right? <laughs> Couple of y'all. Okay, so so it was this terrible cell phone that kind of worked. It just more like, hey, I'm cool. I got a cell phone. <laughs> and I had to stop and call my father because as I was sitting there in Knoxville or relatively close to Knoxville, I knew that I wasn't going to find this church. And I called my daddy and I said, Pappy, what's up? And he said, Where are you, boy? And I said, Daddy, I don't really know. I said, I, I'm supposed to be at such and such place in Knoxville. Tennessee? And I said, well, where else is there in Knoxville? Well, there's one in Alabama. There's a couple over in Georgia. And he starts just naming all this. Tennessee, Dad. It's in Tennessee. All right. Well, where are you supposed to go? And I told him. He said, what do you see right now? I said, Lexington. He said, uh, do you see the city of Lexington? I said, no, sir. It's a sign that says go to Lexington this way. He says, turn around. I knew if I called on my father, he was going to direct me of where I needed to go. There was no question in my mind. My dad was a truck driver. He drove five million miles, literally. He wrote a, a short book about it. It's crazy. All the stories that he had. But I knew that he was going to be able to direct me where I need to go. Then in Chilton County, he go, hey, you remember where that dog got hit? Yeah, turn right right there. Well, my dad was one of those. He could do that, but he'd also go, all right, you, you're sitting here. He said, there should be a cement plant off to your right. And I was like... There is. He said, all right. He said, now what I want you to do is turn around. I turned around. He said, do you see such and such? And it was a road, and he called the name of the road. And I said, yes, sir. He said, get on it. I said, okay. He said, you're going to drive on that for about five miles. And when you come to that stop sign, look over your left shoulder, and you're going to see that church. I was like, man, my dad's on crack. I don't think there was crack back then. My dad's on drugs. And so I was like, yes, sir, that's perfect. Thanks. And I'm like, man, I'll find a policeman. You know, they can direct me. But as I'm driving, I get to that five-mile mark, and sure enough, there was, a, there was a stop. And I stopped, and I was like, over my left shoulder. And the lady that had hired me to come and speak was standing on the front steps going, my father knew exactly where I needed to be. That's the beautiful thing about God. In the midst of our trials, in the midst of our confusion, God's like, no, 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 no. I know where you need to be. It might not be exactly where you want to be, but I know where you need to be. My question is, is are you going to accept where I want you to be? Or are you going to choose where you want to be? So just as there's the positive that there's always hope and rescue in the moments that we are struggling, the moments that we're under trial, there's also the part of being caught and none of us like to be caught. None of us. It's, it's not fun. I walked in yesterday to one of the offices downstairs, and it wasn't that I caught anybody doing anything, but I surprised Brother Eddie, which doesn't happen that often. Usually he's the one that's creeping up the stairwell, and he's just, blah, and you're, ha! That's funny, Eddie. I wet my pants. Great. So usually he's the one doing that. One of our custodial ladies, he would hide like in custodial closets and they'd open the closet, get a vacuum cleaner, and they'd just reach in and he'd just grab their hand. Ah! So they're having a heart attack, so we don't have a lot of custodians anymore. But anyway, I walk in and I squeaky wet tennis shoes, right? Squeaky wet tennis shoes. You're going to hear as I'm walking in and I turn into our conference room downstairs. He goes, oh my gosh. And I said, what? it scared me more than it did him, I think. I said, what? He said, I just wasn't ready for that. And that was funny. But when you busted doing something you shouldn't be doing, and, and I'm not necessarily talking about like robbing a store, 
I mean, that's common sense. You don't do that. There are times that you innocently do things that are wrong. Robin store is probably not one of those. Oh, I accidentally stole everything. It's <laughs> <laughs> the darnest thing. I just walked in and said, hi, can I have all your money? Thanks. No, it doesn't happen. That's, that's, but those of you that drive, you know you speed. Yeah, you know, not me. I'm holy, Brother Kenny. I get about 48 and I just start praying. Dear God, don't let my foot get heavier. Hallelujah, the road is flat. There's no hills going down glory. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, anyway. So I'm going to speak to the football team last football season. I'm driving down um, 2nd Avenue. Ain't thinking nothing about it. Got the Jeep in about three. Just cruising. Carry, I ain't flying. I'm going 50. <clears throat> it's 35. Boo! At the car wash down there, bro, man, lit me up. And I was like, oh, man. So I pull over and he gets out and he was an awesome policeman. Everything he did was just spot on. He walked up, he said, sir, can I see your license and registration? I said, yes, sir, here's my license. My registration's in my glove compartment. Can I get that? He said, yes, sir. So I reached over and I opened up the glove box and I fumbled through the Kleenex that somehow end up in there. Jessica, you put Kleenex or napkins? Barrett, do you do? Somebody is breaking into my Jeep and putting Kleenex. I don't, I don't, know. I don't know. That's what sleeves are for. Anyway, so I get through all that and I find my registration. I hand it to him. He said, can I ask you a question. I was like, yes, sir. Now, he's probably 30 years younger than I am, but I'm still like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. You can ask me a question. He said, where are you going in such a hurry? And I said, well, I'm running a little late. I'm supposed to be speaking to the football team. And he said, what football team? And I said, Clanton, Clanton's football team. Chilton County, I. He said, oh, all right, well, hang on. So as he goes to his car, I take a picture, of course, because I'm like, hey, I'm dead. So I'm taking a picture because at some point, somebody from West End is going to go by, Brother Kenny is going to jail. <laughs> and I just want to take a picture that I got pulled over. I call Coach Moore and say, hey, uh, I'm going to be a little late. I just got pulled over. He was like, ha, 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 okay. So he hung up on me. Everything's straight. Police officer comes back. He says, uh, Miss Martin, you were going 50 under 35. And I automatically do the numbers and go, I know I'm like 500 miles an hour over the speed limit. And he's got every right to shoot me on the spot. You know, that's what's going through my mind. He said, um, I'm going to let you off with a warning. I was like, really? I mean, well, thank you, sir. <laughs> and he gave me a piece of paper that tells me, like, every day there are so many children that are killed because people aren't paying attention when they drive. And, I mean, I honestly, I read that paper. I was like, I will never speed again. I lied. I do. I speed every so often. But there are times that you accidentally do something like that. But then there are times when you are guilty of something. And you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, when you're caught, it doesn't matter what price you have to pay, you deserve that punishment. Yet, we will make excuses to God and justify our actions to God because I've had a bad day or because I just couldn't control my temper. Folks, I'm Scottish and Irish. If there's anyone in this world that would have a temper problem, I work at it every day. Jake, you ever seen me blow up? We've been together 20-something years. She ain't ever seen me blow up. Now she ain't seen everything. When they ain't at the house, man, I used to talk to the cat like she was a cat. <laughs> I broke stuff. I have, I have cost us lots of money because I had that how to be sure of it moment, and I'm breaking stuff. But it's something that I have to work on. But when I am guilty of it, I deserve the punishment for whatever it is. 
And the thing is, is God says, you can't justify sin. The state of New York might say it's okay to, to take a baby's life at full term. They just passed that, which means at nine months they can go in and inject a baby and kill it. In the state of New York, the city of New York City says that's okay. But you can't justify sin. Because what it boils down to is if it doesn't match up with what God says, it's a sin and you deserve to be punished to the maximum. But because of God's great love, because of His unfailing grace, there's a way out. And it's found through Jesus. And I don't know if it it makes any sense to you whatsoever, but you got to understand it's not just the things that physically you're doing, but the stuff that's going on in your mind too. The majority of us, the worst sins that we will ever commit is what's going on in our head. And even though you might not verbally say or even though you might not physically do, if it's in your mind, then God is there too. Because just as Christ said that there would be a counselor, that Holy Spirit dwells within you and that Holy Spirit knows what's going on. It's omniscient. It's fully God. God is there. And that should help us to make better choices. When someone comes up and offers us something, whether it's a drug, whether it's a drink, whether it's a party, whether it's an action that we shouldn't be doing until we're married, and we look and we justify, well, it's just this once, well, I really love this person, well, no one's going to know. Because even when you're sitting at home by yourself, God is still there. It says in God's word, where two or more are gathered in my name, then I will be there. And in a group this size, God is definitely here. But when you're by yourself, that Holy Spirit dwells within you. So you're not hiding anything. We live in a world today to where nothing is really hidden. Jessica was telling me about a pair of shoes or something. I can't remember. Sorry, I'm terrible. I can't remember what it was. It was around Christmas time. And I get on social media and there's an ad for that shoe. We weren't looking at pictures. We weren't doing any of that. She was just talking about it. So Big Brother's listening. Y'all might not know what Big Brother is. 1984, George Orwell. Anyway. There's not hardly anything done in secrecy anymore. If you and your booze having a spat and you're standing in school, go, but you don't understand. Somebody's going, uh-huh. They they're gonna break up. This is gonna be good. And they're filming it. You get tripped out and you go smacking somebody, there's a film of it. Um, it was in I think it was Uganda yesterday. Um, there was a hotel that was infiltrated. And there was this food court area. It might have been two days ago. This food court area. And these four men walk in with guns. One of them's got a suicide vest on. He goes in and he blows himself up and kills numerous people. And then the rest of them, you can just hear, they're just shooting up the place. And you see the people in the hotel, they're running to get it. And they're running to get And you see these people running. And I'm thinking, who is standing there with the camera? And then as you start looking, everybody's got their phone filming what's going on. They're shooting at me, man. You can take your picture if you want. I'm bouncing. But there's nothing that's hidden anymore. And you got to understand that, guys, even if you're absolutely by yourself and there's no one else around, God is still there. And it's not just for those of us that are followers of Christ. God is there for everyone, even those that choose not to. And in my twisted mind, the way that works out is our life is a journey. We talk about that a good bit. But one of the ways that we take a journey might be a swim. And it's not that we're swimming across the ocean. We're swimming in a pool. And we're going from one end to the other. We're going back and forth. That's what our life is. Our life goes from everything's fine to everything's horrible to everything's good to everything's bad. And we're back and forth the whole time. And at some point, we start getting tired. And at some point, we might be catching a cramp. And at some point, we might be going down. And we realize in the midst of us going down, there's nothing that can help us. 
there's no hope to be found. And you find yourself calling out to God. And what we don't realize is that He's been walking beside the pool every lap we make, just waiting for you to make that call. And as soon as you make that call, He reaches down and pulls you out of that water. That's why God is always there. He is omnipresent from the greatest star to the smallest molecule. God is. From the world's greatest person to the world's most horrific person, God is. And to the teenager that's looking for direction, God is. So I hope that through this, maybe you would understand that if you take this song and you think about what it says, that every breath you take, God's watching you. Every move you make, He's watching you. Every bond you break, the lies that you might tell, the, the uh, promises we might break, every step you take, He's watching us every single day. And everything you say, and then when it said, oh, can't you see you belong to me? That's the greatest part of this song. If God is singing that song to you, can't you see that you belong to him? Because I can promise you, there is nothing greater than having God in your life. But the question is, is would you receive that? This song, of course, is about uh, two lovers that have had a spat. But if we look at it through the eyes of God, it's God saying, I'm watching you because I love you. Thanks for being a part of today's podcast. We would love to hear from you. Reach out to us through our social media. Uh, Go to KennyCrossroads.com and you can find links to all my social media. Or, hey, just stop by and see me sometime. West End Baptist Church in Clanton, Alabama. Or you can come on a Wednesday night to Crossroads. Love for you to come be a part of what God's doing here. And again, thank you for being a part of Crossroads. Thanks for being a part of today's podcast.